Hello, friends, and welcome to Friends Music or Nothing, a podcast about my journey as a musician, producer, writer, friend, and all the friendships and relationships I've made along the way. Welcome to the pod. I have a very special guest today. Um, Me and this person go way back. This person is a keyboard player, a music director. They have their bachelor's from UC Davis um, in sociology and a minor in music. They have a master's in education, currently a vice principal of a local high school. But this person is beyond an amazing musician, a great friend, great taste in not only music, gospel music, but great taste in like film, art, uh, movies. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only Mr. Chris Garcia. Hey, hey. <laughs> this is this is cool, man. Hey. That, that was, I appreciate that introduction. Of course, bro. Humbled by it. I had to. You uh <laughs> all those things are true though. So I had to I had to give them. You know, people don't 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 uh you know it's like smelling the flowers, right? Yeah. And sharing them, right? Yeah. So dude, how yeah. are you? Dude, I am uh I'm doing well. 2023 has been off to a, a great start. My first um interview of 2023. Well, there you go. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a legendary year, twenty three. I mean, uh, the Jordan, right? Michael Jordan is yeah. your number, bro. Yeah. I mean, if you're Let's in San go. Diego, it's Brandon Tatis Jr. <laughs> He's a redeem himself. Oh, I forgot to ask. You're also a sports aficionado, especially baseball. Oh yeah, you know your stuff. Yeah, quiz man, in and out. Oh, all the time, man. All the way from uh, the Jack Murphy days, dude. I feel like when I have questions about sports or um you know movies in terms of like comic uh theory and backstory (laughs) or even like things about like you know like different sci-fi you are the you're like my go-to that's like the encyclopedia you're like my (laughs) google like hey uh like google what what is the meaning behind this character or like hey google like what what's the significance of this like uh game right now yeah you always have the backstory so yeah i yeah when it comes to the whole uh marvel cinematic universe i like diving into it and then, I mean, I was a fan of it even before it became a universe. Yeah, that's the thing. I like, mean, you can go back to X Men and back in the day. You, you, you've, you know your stuff. I just it was intrigued by it. Just, yeah. to, I mean, I remember my brother in law actually brought up a point. Um, my wife's, uh, uh, yeah, her her sister's husband. Um, when we were talking about science fiction, he's like, "Hey, science fiction, it's uh fifty percent true." That's true. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's true, and it's always like been a reflection of the times yeah. and of history. Yeah. You yeah. see, uh, uh, Kirby and all those guys were writing about what was happening. They just disguised it with, yeah, that's true. yeah. Because I mean, I started rewatching uh, back in when Disney Plus came out, and they put the X Men series, oh, yes, on the, like from the nineties. From the nineties, I, I mean, I, I, I kid you not. Like, I don't care. I'm like, I'm a 35 year old. I'm rewatching the show I used to watch when I was eight. But I started seeing like the messages of like social justice really, really embedded in there. Dang, and to my knowledge i'm like i cannot have comprehended any of this exactly as a yeah as yeah. A, as an eight-year-old yeah like, i just yeah. wanted to hear wolverine <laughs> yell and also like i was just so angry at scott summers for taking his woman gene away from him <laughs> yes, yeah. you know and i was just wanting to see gambit just light up some cars and just Come throw on. them out that's all i cared exactly to see. you just cared about the, yeah. the sauce right but now watching i'm like oh man this is a really moving storyline yeah. like I want totally. to see some justice. Now I'm like, wow, I'm kind of pro Magneto and all those <laughs> b- 
brotherhood. You understand. Stuff. You understand yeah. now. <laughs> Dang, bro. Okay, well, hey, I love it. I feel like you and me, we'll, we always get on good little little rants and yeah. um, about so many things. But I want to start off the pod. I asked three questions. Yeah. First question is, um, you are already an accomplished musician <laughs> locally, and you just have a lot of experience, you know? Yeah. So I want to uh, start off with, like, how did music meet you? Tell me, like, your earliest influences and the first moments you actually had with, like, music. Yeah. Um music's always been around my family um thank thankfully um my mom was a singer but my grandfather always had i grew up playing with the grand piano um just messing with it at my grandparents house he had an electric organ that he purchased from uh i don't know if you remember this but like those organ and keyboard stores they used to have at plaza bonita yes <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> He had that. He had a guitars and bass. And then my my mom's uh, brother had a trumpet I would mess around with every now and then. And my mom's other brother played the drums. And yeah, so dude. I was just always around it. Yeah. But I really wasn't into it. I just confessed earlier what I was into when I was a kid. So I was like more into the sci-fi comics. And then actually after that, I got really involved with baseball. I started playing baseball yeah. and whatnot. But um i ended up <laughs> part of my testimony actually and story is uh i got expelled from a public middle school there in chula vista Dang. and my parents ended up putting me at a private school um and this private school was predominantly in an african-american region of our city of off of federal in 94 and off a street yeah. called pentecost way and when we would have our chapel services um I would say around maybe 80% of the student population there were, they were all black. And when we would have chapel services, the music, they would get down. I'm like, man, this is really, really cool. Like I, I know very few musicians that can play like this, but I just, all of a sudden just, I was like, this is really cool. Like to see kids that are my age around 13, 14, 15, getting down on the drums, on yeah. the keys, on the bass. And I'm like, how in the world can you do that? So I actually, asked my parents if I could start taking piano lessons. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, I started learning how to play the piano at 16. And at that time, I was like, I mean, I was like, man, I'm like kind of behind because, you know, typically you learn how to play when you're a kid. Yeah. All these things. But I wasn't into music when I was a kid. I mean, I was around it, but I wasn't into it. And um, I just started getting involved with my local choir. And um, the thing is, a lot of the Hispanic, especially the Hispanics that are raised and that in Pentecostal environment here in San Diego specifically have a lot of gospel tie in. Totally. Yep. And um, which is it for me, I was like, I didn't know where to start. And I remember hearing the song Revolution from Kirk Franklin. Hey, yeah. Get a revolution. <laughs> exactly. Come on. And the the, go. And uh, <laughs> I, I remember seeing that album cover and uh, I, I would ask questions to my classmates like, hey, who sings that? Like, oh, that's Kirk Franklin. And they're like, Oh, sweet. And then I would hear somebody like they would get in the car and uh, like their parents were playing something. I'm like, hey, who was that? That your I would just ask them. Oh, that's Hezekiah Walker. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Hey, who's that? Oh, that's Marvin Sapp. Oh, okay. Hey, who, who are you listening to? Oh, Byron Cage. Oh, okay. And I just I just started looking these people up. And I mean, we didn't, the internet was really slow at the time with the dial up. So like, you yeah. had to go to the Christian bookstore. And I could go to the gospel section. Get the sheet music? Yes. And just start looking through the CDs and and whatnot and um there was even like yeah so i remember all of that and 
Um, I remember what the first I think gospel song that I actually ever learned how to play was um Shackles by Mary Mary. Oh, come on. <laughs> the shackles up. And also that song was a, a radio hit too. Yeah. That was one of like the early crossovers too back in the day. Yeah. I remember like 98, 99. Yeah. Like my sister bought that CD. And my sister's like, she lo- really mainly loves like pop. She also likes R and B and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it's like someone like that. Who has no idea of that world? Yeah, being exposed to that music, gospel music. Yeah, you know, like that actually, that's dope. That actually reminded me. I remember actually in seventh grade, here, um, all my San Diego people will understand Jamin's Uniting. Uh, Come on, Jamin's Uniting. Yeah, and I remember hearing Kirk Franklin stomp. Really, with God's oh, property, dang. and I think a big reason why was because he had he had featured Salt on there. Oh yes, yeah, from Salt and Pepper. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I was just like taken back, like whoa, like this is pretty sick. And but I mean, I, again, like I was born and raised in church, always had in the back of my mind. But it wasn't until I was sixteen that I was like, okay, I want to learn how to play the piano. But I want to learn how to play the piano like that. Like I don't want to learn classical. Yeah. So I started learning, and um, I learned from this book called Triplets, which is actually you can't even find it on Amazon or anything. It was through this Pentecostal organization, and it taught me the importance of the number system. Come on. So I, all I knew was that the one, four, five were capital Roman numerals <laughs> and that two, three and six were lowercase yeah. like letter I's. Yeah. Like for two, it was like two letter I's for three. It was like three letter I's. Yeah. And then for um, the number seven was a, a lowercase I lowercase. No, lowercase V lowercase I lowercase I with like a little circle on top to stand for diminished. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know what I was learning. I was like, okay, this is this is it. it, it. And later on, I realized actually once I went to Davis and minored in music that that was a national number system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, bro, that's the thing that everyone tries to get you to learn later. You learn that first. Yeah, because I feel like people don't learn that first for the most part. No, like that's you kind of did that a little backwards, which is dope. <laughs> yeah, but that's like how like, but also that's how they play in. It's funny because, um. In like CCM and everything, yeah. which you and my I have played together a lot. Um, you have charts and everything's like pre-planned. But I remember like my experiences of playing or being in gospel churches and stuff, they would call out the numbers. Yeah. You know? So like yeah. two, five, you know, like yeah. walk up, you know? So like I don't know. Did you experience like kind of like on the on the fly like that? I did, but the thing that would get me was um I just knew triads. Come on. And uh, so like if I was going to play like, oh, hit the one. And let's just say like I was playing uh, like an E flat. It would be like an E flat, G and B flat only. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And like there was one time, never going to forget, I was playing at a service. I was playing the like that portable Hammond organ. It wasn't a real Hammond organ. Yeah. (laughs) But it was like the Hammond organ keyboard that they made. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which... I mean, I'm not going to dog keyboards here because you never know if Hammond or Nord <laughs> yeah. are listening. Hammond, if you're listening. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But Nord took over. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, Where the Nord is, the Lord is, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I remember I just I just felt really basic with my chords. And I was like, I can't. Like, what, what do I have to do this? And then I all of a sudden I started. At the time, there was a guy named Jamal Hartwell with um, – Dude, gospel chops. Gospel like, come chops. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And he came up with um, this whole concept. Uh, he started talking about substitution chords. 
Yes. And I was like, sweet. So like you, that's basically chords you can hit to substitute for like the one and the two and the threes and all that. So I started learning those. And then my dad got invited to preach at a church in um, Riverside. And there was a guy playing keys there. And I kid you not, the guy that was playing keys, he looked just like the guy from, have you, have you heard of Cholo Fit? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Creed, I just watched his show. Oh, the this fool? Yeah, on Netflix. <laughs> on Hulu. Oh, uh, sorry, Hulu. Yeah. Dude, that guy's awesome. He's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, if you're if, if, if you're like a hardcore Christian, you'll be offended <laughs> if you watch it. It's funny. It, it is funny, funny, though. Very funny. So the keyboard player looked like that guy. Like Cholo fit, yeah. The guy from this fool, like he he looked like he had like a bald head. head. Yeah, you know, he looked tats. like yeah. And you know, you could see the the like the, the the spider tats coming up his neck. <laughs> yeah. But he was an amazing keyboardist. Dang. And it was a church in Redlands, and he was just going. I was like, dang, this guy looks like he just like straight up came out of the like came out of the clink and just like <laughs> sitting on a keyboard. Yeah. So um, I went up to him and I said, dude, how did you learn how to like play? Like, where are you adding these extra chords? Like all the passing chords. Yeah. Like all that, well, know, that's like, exactly yeah, what he told yeah. I didn't know what passing chords were. So he's like, go ahead and play, man. Let me see what you know. And I was like, okay. So I went. He's like, all right, I'm going to tell you what's going to take your plane to the next level. I'm like, what is it? Passing chords. Oh, like, Passing chords. Yeah, dude. So, and at that time, YouTube had just come out around 2005, 2006. Yeah. And that's when I was starting to like dive a lot more into it. And um, I, was, I was just focused on passing chords. And that was it. I was like, okay, passing chords and substitution chords. And I started realizing... Okay, like learning these two concepts is really just gonna expand and make my chords fatter, juicier. Um, add those extra elements that people typically hear in an R and B song. Yeah, I mean Bruno Mars uses a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know it's all in gospel. So, um, so yeah, it was through passing chords and substitution chords that really just took. Dang. Yeah. Come on, dude. That's so dope. And it's like, <laughs> it's so funny how it's like, dude. <sighs> Number one, because um, you and I, are, you know, we're, we're really close in age. Yeah. We're only a couple years apart. So everything you talk about, I know exactly. And of course, you're a San Diego boy like me. So like <laughs> everything you talk about, the place and but also like culturally, when you talk about gospelchops.com, I, you know, we talk, I, we were talking earlier off mic about my experience of how I got into like yeah. gospel music and stuff. But it's like, I remember one of the first things I did was go to gospelchops.com because that was the only resource. Yeah. And I learned how to play, uh, like, I was trying to play a little bit piano. Um, and the first song I tried to learn was uh, Praise Is What I Do. Oh, okay. Praise Is What I Do. Yeah. And they had it on on Gospel Chops. He yeah. was breaking it down. Yeah. And that was the only place where, like, you could find a resource yeah. to break down, you know, all this stuff yeah. that was, like, gospel music, center, licks, you know, tricks related. I think a big factor was prior to that, there really wasn't a, um, you really couldn't quantify gospel music and R&B. Like you couldn't, mm. it wasn't something you could find like on sheet music or anything. It was more like, I mean, you would see, I would hear keyboard players, even Hispanic keyboard players that would collaborate a lot with like the black musicians here in San Diego and like, hey, what chord is that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like they could barely tell you what key they were yeah. in. But like they were amazing. I'm like, how do you do this? And and for me, just having that more of that, like, I wanted to create that algorithm. 
Yeah. Like, how do you, where's the algorithm? Like, there's where's like, the database? Where's the, yeah, where's the treasure chest of all this? Yeah. Which there is for like now for everything on there YouTube. There is now. Yeah. You're right. Back then it was just, everything was just starting. Right. Dang. Yeah. Cause now you can even, you can quantify it now with the software. I remember taking a, at Southwestern College, it took a, um, it was like a digital music class. Hey, shout out Southwestern College. Southwestern. We, we, <laughs> we were both graduates from there. Go Jaguars. It was a <laughs> professor, oh, Pastrana? Pastrana, yes, yeah, yeah. Taught, did, uh, did a music, digital music course too. But there was a, there was like a, there was a class that I took that um, it would, uh, it would, you were learning how to, um, notate like music. Oh yeah, like with Sibelius and like stuff yes. like that. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So then that's where I started learning. Like, okay, like I don't know what chords I'm playing. I just memorized taking photos of players, like taking, <laughs> like okay, my fingers go right here. What chord is that? And then yes. I was, and it was because of software that like you were able to quantify and kind of look at, but I mean, now you look at it, you see the three different screens where it's like, you see the music notation, yeah. you see the actual MIDI like highlights. Yeah. yeah. And then you see the actual person playing it. And then they, when the MIDI highlights actually just play like the notes are playing. Yeah. So like the resources now, it's like anyone yeah. can learn. Everyone has it easy now. Yeah. But it's, it was almost like, it's almost like crate digging, you know, like you had to like, Ask someone, find the source, put it together at home. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to go out, gather the pieces, and then put it together at home. It wasn't yeah. like you had a dang dude, dude. That's true. That's the same era we we all grew up in. Like, yeah, but it's like, so you did that pretty much all through high school, where you were like growing, learning, mm -hmm. searching, developing. Yeah, who was who was like a keyboard player you were really trying to emulate, or was there like a, an artist that you were really like, this is like my artist, like you know. Um, like your musical hero. Okay, so there was a couple of them. One was my actually my mom's first cousin. His name is Peter Meza, and uh, he came up. Uh, he uh, was a an amazing keyboardist, pianist. Um, but he was also one of those pianists that were like, like he can name he can name the chords, but it was also very feel like. Um, so yeah. he was really big. And then another one actually growing up was his name was Byron Williams. He was based off of uh, out of uh, Orange County um, for a minute, but he actually had a history of playing with like Hootie and the Blowfish back in the nineties. Oh wow! And then um, after California, I think in the, like the mid two thousands, late two thousands, he moved to Houston to be the music director for Kim Burrell. Dang. Yeah, but okay. he was collaborating a lot with a lot of my cousins that were musicians, and yeah. doing albums and records with them. Wow. And um and the thing is, one of the tricks he actually taught was like he was able to play ballads without using the sustain pedal. I was like, dude, like what? and he was able to like, yeah, like his timing was so impeccable, like it sounded like he was using sustain pedal and he wasn't. Oh my gosh. And um and then when he would play Latin stuff, oh my gosh. I'm like, dude, you yeah. play it better than any Latin person I know. And you're not like so those were like the two musicians like that I would look to. And I would look actually more for like my uncle Peter as far as just like not only his musicianship, but just his his spirit and his mentality and even his network. Like yeah. anytime he needed a drummer, like he would call somebody up and like this guy was like, I, I remember he called somebody up to play the drums and it was like a this black dude from a church and the guy was just in the pocket the whole time. He needed Man. a bass player. He had a bass player. Like anytime he needed, like I was impressed by like not only his level of, mus of musicianship, but his network. Yeah. You know, totally. so those were the two guys. And right. then um, 
I would have to say later on in the mid 2000s out of high school, I got introduced to um, Israel and New Breed. Come on. But it wasn't when we were living in Texas when uh, Live from Another Level came out. Yeah. And uh, going to another yes. level. <laughs> dude, all that stuff, bro. I'm right oh there with you. Gosh, dude. And uh, that was like what, 2005 or five? Yeah. 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 It's, can you believe it's almost going to be 20 years? Gunger, Gunger was on that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was, was playing, he was his lead guitarist. But he was, <laughs> it's so crazy <laughs> to think about that. Um, But Aaron Lindsay. And he yeah. was, and that's when I first got introduced to Aaron Lindsay. And I was like, this guy is amazing. And and here's the funny part is that my, my dad um, in 2005, we were moving back from Texas back to uh, San Diego. And my dad wanted to visit some of his Bible college friends in Houston. So we go visit this church called Grace Church. And his, one of his, the co-pastors there, his name is Brett Jones. Mm-hmm. And my dad to like, yeah, him and I used to play tennis together in college. And his dad was one of my professors in Bible college and I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go visit my dad's friends and whatnot. So we get to this church and uh, they announce that they have a guest worship leader. Um, and her name is Mary Alessi. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Not knowing who she was at the time. And I'll tell you in a minute who her twin sister was. And I was like, she looks familiar. But then I see this one big black guy get on the keyboard and I'm like, wait. I just, I feel like I've seen this guy before. And three or four weeks prior to that, I had bought the DVD live from another level. Yes. I was like, bro, no way. This is Aaron Lindsay. Like I'm in a church service and Aaron Lindsay is there. Dang. Later on, I find out that this Mary Alessi is actually twin sisters with Martha Muninzi. Oh yeah. And her her and Israel did a lot. I have decided to make, that's their song. Yeah. And then she does like um, Glorious. Yeah. Yeah. Glorious. Yeah. Which that was one of the first times I started. Well, I mean, I started hearing it more. Tone did it first. Oh, but you, you'd hear every once in a while gospel, like these Latin gospel fusion songs. Yes. Yes. Which I loved. Like that to me was like, oh, it feels like everything I love in one thing. You know what I mean? It was. Yeah. Because it put everything together. And then you just see the cross cultural, like just yeah. that right there was huge in the mid 2000s. Totally. Because even I feel like Israel was like a big component of that. He was a big bridge. Yeah. I mean, he's half white, half black, raised in Hispanic church. Yeah. So it's like he put he it brought all, all that together. So we had to get ready to leave that service because my dad was going to preach at another church. So my mom had to use a restroom and we're waiting in the lobby. As we're waiting in the lobby, I see a black Escalade pull up and coming out of it is actually Israel. Stop. Uh uh-uh. At that church? At that church. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, but wait, I'm like, what is he doing here? Like he leads worship at the time. Like he's a worship leader at Lakewood. Like yes, what is he yeah, doing? Yeah. I'm like, hey. It's Israel. My little brother had just watched the DVD too. So he got all excited. I'm like, uh, at the time, I'm uh, I'm 20 years old. And yeah. my brother, so my brother's 10. And my brother start, barely started learning how to play the keyboard. He was just watching me learning how to play yeah. and whatnot. And um, so we take photos with Israel. But your brother's killer, killer. Dude, yeah. player too. He's a lot Shout better out. than me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has a lot more time Christian, to practice yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he started at a younger age. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, And then... As uh, Israel's like, yeah, I'm picking up Mary. I'm taking her back to Lakewood so she can lead worship at the service. And I'm like, oh. And I realized at the time, like, I, she's a big deal then. Yeah. Like, she's leading worship at Lakewood tonight. Whoa. But then leaving, I see Aaron Lindsay. And I'm like, hey. I said, um, Aaron, like, I just want to let you know, like, I really, I just saw the DVD three weeks ago, Live from the Level, which is such a blessing. And he, the first thing is like, do you play anything, bro? I'm like, yeah, I'm actually learning how to play the keys. And well, let me pray for you right now. I'm like, what? 
So he actually like he prays for me and I don't know somebody had a digital camera at the time and uh, cuz phones didn't have cameras and if they did they were really <laughs> yeah, cheap. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, my dad caught a photo of that. Dang. And like him laying hands on me and I felt like at that like at that opportunity right there was like, whoa, like how in the world am I like getting prayed for by Aaron Lindsay? Yeah. And I just really got the blessing right there. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of even gave me the conviction like, man, I better step it up cuz like, Yeah. Dude, totally. That was like the fuel in the fire. Yeah. So I have to say like the biggest influences just growing up was definitely my Uncle Peter, Byron Williams, and Aaron Lindsay. Dude, those are great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't heard your Uncle Peter play, but. I'll send you an album, yeah. dude. There's an album. Or send me some stuff that he's been on or like produced or written or yeah. played. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's um he's worked with some pretty heavy hitters too, but um I'll send you some of his stuff. Uh, it's really, really cool. And I mean, of course, you've heard Kim Burrell. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So all the all the all the people you mentioned, like you know, all the big hitters, is like yeah, they're the legends. So you so you you have this moment where you kind of like feel like okay, this is like a, this is like almost like you know like an intervention from God yeah. that like I'm supposed to like pay more attention to this. Yeah. And what happens after that? Because you're 20. Is that when you go to? I didn't go. I, I started going to Davis when I was actually. I started going there when I was uh, twenty three because I started. I did first two years at Southwestern. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Dope. at twenty one, I started going back to school. I went to back to school at twenty one, and uh, yeah, I spent two years at Southwestern. But I started helping this one uh, Pentecostal church here in San Diego, and um, I started learning how to play the keys more from one of the music directors there. Um, but he was always playing, and I. I actually started playing the Hammond organ. Nice. So I was watching a lot more videos, just kind of watching people, learning what the draw bars do, yeah. the, how when the Leslie goes fast, when it goes slow. Um, the one thing I didn't do because we had a bass player or the keyboard player would split the keys and bass was I wouldn't play like the foot bass. Oh, the foot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I didn't. And I mean, I barely, I mean, it's, that's some, that's some artwork right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. I did cheat a little bit. I learned how to make the the same um, the same bass notes come out of the top keys, so like you could change the draw bars to manipulate it to sound like the lower bass notes. Yeah. So then I would cheat that way. <laughs> hey, so. hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. And if you have a bass player too, it's like you're you also like sonically like you're not gonna play that because no. you're, you're not gonna cause the muddiness, you know, right? For that. So it's like you also can't, right? But. Dang. So you spent two years doing Helping that. them, yeah. And then wow. after that, um, and that was during college and whatnot. And then when in, when I was in college, I moved to Davis. And um, my major was in sociology. And then I found out that I could minor in music. Wow. But one of the reasons why my counselor was telling me, she says, if you minor in music, you have to do three performing arts classes. And I was like, oh, dang. Like, that means am I going to have to play like an orchestrated band or symphony or whatever? And then I looked at the options and one of them was actually gospel choir. Yo. I was like, wait a sec. And it was a, a it was a two unit class. And I'm like, oh wow. And I needed extra units for like the financial aid and whatnot. Yeah. And like, I'm in. Like, um, so yeah, I joined the gospel choir and uh actually became really good friends with some people in there and some wow. lifelong friends. But um, I'm never gonna forget. Um, I joined the worship team for a campus ministry that I got involved in called Chi Alpha. And some of the musicians there that were in gospel choir, like they called me out in front of the director. Um, 
after service or yeah. after a practice. And I was just singing and he's like, he's like, Hey, you should see what Chris can do in the keys. So I started just kind of messing around dabbling and then the, the choir director looks at me. He's all like, Hey bro, you're not black. <laughs> and I'm like, like I know. Yeah, yeah. He's like, how can you can play like that? And I'm like, because, and I give a shout. I'm like, dude, like, Every you, Latino are my in San heroes. Diego, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, every Latino in San Diego that plays keys can play like this. Yeah, so that's you need... true. <laughs> that's true. So he was like, "Oh, for real?" So I'm like, "Yeah, man. Like, we 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 collab a lot, dude. Like, we collaborate down there." He's like, "Okay, I can see that." Then, like, so then he kind of he took me under his wings, um, started showing me some uh, just progressions and was he played keys too? He was an okay. amazing yeah. keyboard player. Uh, yeah, his name was Calvin Limus, and uh, he was a director there for like a good ten years. UC Dang. Davis Gospel Choir and whatnot, and um, yeah, it was really cool. That's dope. So yeah. it's cool that like each out of there, like you always find a place to like develop your skill. Yeah, yeah. So you play with with of course like the you were saying like, there's like a worship band, but then also you play with the gospel yeah. choir. And that was really cool because um it was a unit class, and not everyone was a believer. Like we had kids that were Muslim, that were Baha'i, yeah, kids that were. Oh wow! We had a lot of South Koreans because a lot of international students would take um just because they needed the units, yeah, to like stay as to stay in the states and yeah. everything else. Yeah. So, um, and then we started recruiting a lot of um. The cool thing is we started recruiting a lot of those um afterwards, but we, our rehearsals were on Wednesday nights and on Friday nights from five to seven. But we would have our our large gathering for our worship or our campus ministry on Friday nights at seven seven p.m. Yeah. So we would get there late, and I stopped playing for the worship team for a little bit. But um, a lot of the kids in the gospel choir, like we became friends with them. They wanted to hang out later on on Friday night, so it was actually cool. We would invite them over to our worship service. Oh, nice! And a lot of them ended up giving their life to like That's God cool. and stuff, and. It was just cool, man. That's dope. Yeah. And it was just cool because there was no pressure and people just wanted to hang. Yeah. That was Dude, it. That's <laughs> the best. It's like, I feel like, especially in college, it's like, that's the thing. You you don't have the pressure of like, this has to lead to anything besides yeah. like what we're doing here and now. Yeah. And it can be like that organic and 